Our scripture reading for today's sermon is Romans 10, verses 14 through 21. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I asked, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. You alone are enthroned above. You are alone are able to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. You alone have created all things and you alone make a new creation out of sinners. The old has passed away and behold, new has come. We look to you alone the one who died and bled, the one who rose again, and the one who ascended and is now seated at the right hand of his Father. We look to you alone, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's been a number of weeks since we have been in the Epistle of Romans, and that, of course, is because we preached a special four-week Advent series. I was personally blessed by the Advent series, and I hope that you were as well. Now Christmas is past us, and in two days we will enter the new year. On Tuesday, it will be the year of our Lord, 2019. And it is not a habit of mine to feel compelled to give a New Year's message every new year. But if I were to list all of the passages in God's Word that I thought might be good ones to preach on the Sunday uh, right just prior to the new year, the passage that we're on this morning in Romans would certainly be on that list. And that's because Romans 10, 14 through 21 teach us that the gospel preached always accomplishes its intended purpose. And understanding that is the church's fuel for evangelism and missions. So although I had not purposely selected this text for a New Year's message, it is fitting. I recommend that we all consider it providential and open our hearts to what the Lord has for us this morning. I also recommend that we all consider 
those of us who were here for Sunday School consider what we heard this morning as providential. And as we go through this message, I think you'll understand why. Let me remind you that the larger context of Romans chapters 9 through 11 is Paul's concern for Israel. As we noted some weeks ago in chapter 9, Paul is asking the question, have God's promises to Israel failed? And Paul's answer to that is an emphatic no. God's promises have not failed because God's gracious purposes in election cannot fail. In chapter 10, Paul is still thinking about Israel and her rejection of Christ in his own day, and he begins to transition to address the subject now of human responsibility. And he reminds his readers in Romans chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, verses which immediately precede our passage this morning, that the gospel message is for all people without distinction. Verse 12, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now I doubt very seriously that there is anyone here who is troubled by a gospel program that spreads the good news of Jesus Christ to all people without distinction. Jews and Gentiles, male, female, young and old, rich and poor, intelligent and simple, people of every race all over the globe. We are to preach the good news of the gospel without distinction and praise God as we do. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now I doubt if anyone has any trouble with that here, but it might give some trouble and consternation to a Jewish Christian who was raised in Tel Aviv, Israel. Because in great sadness, this dear brother or sister might be thinking, well, if the gospel is for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, then why are so few of my countrymen calling on his name for salvation? And of course, he would have a special burden for his family. This dear Christian Jewish man or woman who has called upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation would be rejoicing of the goodness of God in Christ for him or her, but they would be grieving that so many others of their kinsmen are not enjoying that salvation. And the Apostle Paul, when he looked over the first century spiritual landscape, that's exactly what he was doing. He was grieving. He was grieving. He was asking the exact same question. Why aren't more of my countrymen coming to faith in Jesus Christ? Why aren't they calling on the name of the Lord? Now, as I mentioned, Paul's already answered that question in terms of election. But honestly... This problem in his mind is so gigantic that he has got to look 
down the furthest crack to answer it to satisfaction biblically. Of course, Paul was Jewish, and therefore he had a heart for the Jews. But it goes much deeper than that. What God had done historically to provide the gospel of Jesus Christ, he had done through Israel. He called Abraham unto himself and promised him an heir that would bring blessing to every nation under the sun. And we know who that heir is. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. God protected that heir by delivering Abraham's offspring from Egypt and miraculously dividing the Red Sea. He made a nation out of Abraham's children and graciously gave him his law. He personally escorted them through the wilderness and faithfully provided for them like the perfect husband. He brought them into the land of promise and he raised up judges to restrain them from their sinful folly. He provided kings to rule over them in his name. He sent prophets to them to call them back unto himself. He sent Israel into captivity and then he graciously brought them back to the land again and through them, through Israel, through Paul's kinsmen in the flesh, he sent his, God sent his son into the world. God in human flesh, the promised Jewish Messiah lying in a manger, sent from heaven to earth in order to die for sin and rise again as the first fruits of a great harvest. The gospel of Jesus Christ came through the Jews. And so Paul was determined to think this through. And in light of what was happening with the Jews in his own day, here's what he concluded. Preach the gospel without distinction and let God take care of the rest. Preach the gospel to everyone and let God take care of the rest. It's his gospel. And neither God nor his gospel can fail. It always, always, always accomplishes that which it is intended to accomplish and we may not understand why things are the way that they are with some of our unbelieving family and friends we we may not understand uh, really what's happening like God does in the world but our job is to proclaim the gospel and we're to proclaim the gospel to every creature go therefore And do it. And let God take care of the rest. As the apostle wrestled, wrestled through all of this, again, he came to the conclusion that the gospel proclaimed always accomplishes its intended purpose. And because he knew God could not fail and God's gospel could not fail, He submitted to the God who created him and saved him. 
So God's gospel proclaimed always accomplishes God's intended purposes. And for our sakes, the Apostle Paul embedded those intended purposes in our passage. They are twofold. First, the preached gospel leaves sinners without excuse. It leaves sinners without excuse. Verses 14 and 15 of Romans 10 are a series of rhetorical questions that make it plain that the outward invitation of the gospel goes out into the world and it is hurt as it is heard and rejected. It leaves unrepentant sinners responsible for what they just heard. As we go through these rhetorical questions together, follow Paul's logical progression of questions. Follow them. But let's make sure that we slide into those questions with what the apostle has already declared in the verse previous, in verse 13. Let's start there. Verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? Well, they can't. They can't. No one can call on Christ to save them if they don't believe in him. You can't do that. And how are they to believe in him if they have never heard? You can't. You can't believe in Christ if you've never heard of Christ. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You can't. You can't hear if someone doesn't preach about Christ. And how are they to preach if they are not sent? Well, they can't preach if they're not sent. There it is. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but they can't call if they don't believe. They can't believe if they've never heard. They can't hear if there's not someone preaching. And they can't preach unless they are sent. It's as simple as this. Hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ preached is God's ordinary way. That is his main way of bringing sinners to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I should say there are certain exceptions to this. From God's word, I taught a lesson here at SGRC some years ago. God can save a baby while the baby is still a baby. And chapter 3 of our confession rightly says, elect infants who die in infancy are regenerated by the Holy Spirit and saved by Christ. And it goes on to say that the same thing about other elect people who are incapable of hearing the outward call of the gospel like the severely mentally handicapped. But otherwise, unless people hear the gospel, we have no biblical reason to believe that there is any way that they can be saved. So God's gospel program is for everyone to hear the gospel and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's God's ordinary way for those who are going to be saved, to be saved. Verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word, that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and those who hear and reject this same simple gospel, it's not rocket science, are culpable and without excuse. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus said to the 72 disciples he sent out to preach, the one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Then we come to the biggest question of all. It's the biggest question of all. And the Apostle Paul has been driving toward this in his thinking. The absolute biggest question that he's been leading up to. I would say drum roll please. Like they might at Barnum and Bailey's Circus when I went there as a boy. You'd see all these trapeze acts and then the final one that was the most spectacular and the most dangerous and then the drum would start to roll. But that's to draw and build attention for something spectacular. This is just the opposite. And Paul, in anguish, has been building up to this big question. Did Israel hear the gospel? Did they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached? If hearing the gospel is how those are going to be saved, are saved, the apostle reasons, did my fellow kinsmen in the flesh hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached? Well, let's look at verse 18. Here's how he asked it. But I ask... Paul says, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. Picture Paul, not in the joy of the Lord. You know, there's a time to be sad. Picture him on his knees with his hands on his head. And he uses Psalm 19 here to emphasize the fact that the proclamation of the gospel has spread throughout the world and even the Jews, his fellow kinsmen, have heard it. Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. They heard the gospel preached. They heard it. For Isaiah looking ahead to Paul's day. And Paul applies what Isaiah said to his day. Isaiah prophesies the Lord through Isaiah says, Lord, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? From Isaiah chapter 53, a chapter filled with the gospel and, a, and, a, and an unseemly savior. <coughs> Dying on, the, on, on, a, on a tree. And in verse 21, Paul quotes Isaiah again saying, All day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Yes, Israel heard the gospel. And yes, they were without excuse. Because one of the intended purposes of witnessing the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it leaves sinners without excuse. Does that mean that Paul gave up on his fellow kinsmen? Just because they heard the gospel? Not a chance. 
his heart's desire and prayer to God for them was that they may be saved. That means that they would stop being so self-righteous in their own religion, thinking that they are God's precious children just by virtue of ethnicity when their hearts are full of sin and rebellion against God. It means stop trusting in your own righteousness and trust in the righteousness and rest in the righteousness that Jesus gives to all who sincerely call upon his name. Many of your friends and relatives have heard the gospel too, haven't they? Some of your children, some of your older children have heard the gospel too. You never give up. God is able. Pray that they might be saved. Some of you have extended family that comes to mind right now. He is able And I want, to, I want to encourage you in 2019 to pray for each other's unsaved friends and family members. You want to endear yourself to, to somebody else in, at SDRC? Ask them, who in your family can I pray for? Who needs light? For God is light. Who needs salvation? Who needs cleansing from their sin? Who needs to turn to the living God in repentance and faith looking to Christ alone? Just, you want to endear yourself to something? Ask them. Say, I will put them on my prayer list in 2019. Who knows? There may be a great harvest in 2019. And the stirrings of the Holy Spirit of God might be happening as we sit as we listen to the voice of our gracious God speak to us this morning. God is able. God cannot fail. And God's gospel preached cannot fail. It always accomplishes its intended purpose. And besides leaving sinners without excuse, the preached gospel magnifies God's grace. That's the other purpose. It leaves sinners without excuse, but it magnifies God's grace. Literally, I guess the preached word is the means through which God sovereignly acts to save his people. That's how he does it, through the preached word. Verse 14b says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Well, I want you to look at this really close. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? In the original, it says, how are they to believe him? Not in him. How are they to believe him of whom they have never heard? And it may sound like a triviality, but it's far from it. How are they to believe him of whom they have never 
heard. In other words, in the preaching of the gospel, the voice of Jesus Christ is heard. It's through that means that Christ speaks. And there is no voice like the voice of Jesus. It cannot be resisted. Everyone who comes, comes gladly. Who would want to resist resist such a voice of grace and love and power? Remember Lazarus was in the tomb for four days? He was as dead as a doornail. And his body had already begun to deteriorate. Oh, he was dead all right. That That is until he heard the voice of Jesus calling him. Lazarus, come it's through the proclamation of the gospel that the spiritually dead hear the voice of Jesus and live remember what happened at Philippi when Paul preached to a group of women and the Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to the gospel that Paul was giving to the ladies that day and in that moment the text doesn't say it explicitly but it implies every bit of this she experienced divine persuasion another voice if you will speaking to her blinded sinful heart and bringing that heart into newness of life enabling her to believe and to call upon the name of the Lord It's through the proclamation of the gospel that sinners hear another voice. It's through that means that they hear the Lord and they believe and they call on the name of the Lord. Isn't that what Jeremiah taught? Isn't that what he prophesied? I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. At the time the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Romans, the Lord was graciously bringing in a harvest of Gentiles. And he says in verse 19 of our passage, I will make, and this is to Israel, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation, uh, with a foolish nation, that is a people, I will make you angry. What he was telling Israel was, if you're not trusting in the forgiveness and righteousness of of your own Messiah, whose righteousness are you trusting in? Whose works are you trusting in? If you're not trusting in the redemptive works of your own Messiah, who are you trusting for salvation? The gospel is that simple. Everyone who recognizes they need to call on the Lord because they are sinful before a holy God will call on him and you're saved. All who call on him will be saved. All, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Then verse 20, Isaiah is so bold to say. Well, Calvin hadn't even been born yet. He's so bold to say, 
I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. That's sovereign grace. That's sovereign grace in and through the means of the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. In the preaching of the word, God seeks sinners and shows himself to them. Well, whose responsibility is it to preach and proclaim the gospel? First of all, it's everybody's responsibility. And that's the kind of heart that God has given to his children of faith. To serve him and to want to proclaim to the lost. We all used to be lost, didn't we? So that they might be found We used to be blind, didn't we? So that they too may see and experience the amazing grace of God. So it's everybody's responsibility. For example, after Christ ascended to heaven, 120, I'm sorry, yeah, 120 of Jesus' followers gathered in an upper room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit showing the beginning of the new covenant age and fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus had spoken in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. 120 of his disciples, not just the apostles, were in that upper room when that power was received. And they became witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation through him, declaring to all men without distinction, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and leaving the rest up to God. Well, following the stoning of Stephen, there was a great persecution in the church in Jerusalem. And the believers were scattered throughout the region. And as they went, they spread the good news of the gospel throughout the region. Wherever that persecution fanned those Christians out, the message of Christ saving sinners went forth. And the declaration that everyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved. It's everybody's responsibility to pray for the lost. And to bear witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in our passage, Paul emphasizes the special office of the preacher. And I think we have lost the understanding that God uses the preaching of the word to bring conviction to sinners. In many churches today, the preaching is often replaced with other things. God has established the preaching of of the word as a means of grace. The ordinary means of grace that God has established for for the salvation and sanctification of his people are the word, especially the preaching of the word, the sacraments, and prayer. Compared to the Old Testament 
system. This is very, this is a very simple system that our Lord has established for us. How can we get off course with that? In the 1800s, a young boy walked into a primitive Methodist church and sat in the back. The preacher was gone that day and one of the deacons stood up to preach. And he began to read from Isaiah chapter 45 where the Lord through the prophet says, look unto me and be saved. Well, the deacon really didn't know what to say after he read the scriptures. So he began to speak like this. I'm hanging on the cross. Look unto me and be saved. The blood is flowing from my side. Look unto me and be saved. I have risen from the dead. Look unto me and be saved. I am seated at the right hand of my Father. Look unto me and be saved. The young boy seated in the back was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And when the preacher said, look unto me, Spurgeon stopped hearing the preacher. He didn't know if he was Australian or American or what he was. He stopped hearing him. When the preacher said, look unto me, the Spurgeon began to hear another voice, the voice of Christ. Look unto me and be saved. I'm hanging on the cross, he heard. Look unto me and be saved. The blood is flowing from my side. Look unto me, I am risen from the dead. Look unto me, I am seated at the right hand of my Father. Look unto me and be saved. Now those preachers' feet were beautiful because they carried the message of a gospel that always, always, always accomplishes the purposes that God intends for it to accomplish. I wonder, is there a young man or woman here this morning who stopped hearing my voice and heard the voice of Christ? Look unto me and be saved. You know, it's not too late. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Judgment looms in front of us. Look to Christ and to Christ alone and be saved. For only He can save you from your sins. They are too gigantic for you. You cannot do it. You cannot overcome them. But he will clothe you with his righteousness. And he will justify you by his grace. I wonder also how important 
You believe the gospel is not only for the lost, but for the saved. I really worry about this in our evangelical culture today. How, do, how important do you believe the gospel is for your spiritual development and health? You know, it's a nasty, nasty thing for believers to downplay their need for the preaching of the gospel week in and week out until the Lord Jesus Christ calls them home. It's a nasty problem, a nasty way of thinking in our evangelical culture today. In Murray Capill's book, The Heart is the Target, he rightly says that lecturing is about passing on information. Preaching the gospel is about transformation. Don't you need to be reminded of the gospel, Christian? Don't you need to look to Christ who's hanging on the cross, whose blood is flowing at his side, and be reminded that he took your sins to the grave and has risen again and is now seated in victory at the right hand of his Father? Don't you need to be reminded of that? Well, I have a question for you. Have you met with the Almighty God today? Or have you just come to church Have you just come to church? Is that all you've done? You are not a good watchkeeper for your soul. Look unto Christ. Have you heard only my voice this morning? Have you not heard his voice? Your answer to that will profoundly affect how you pray, how you relate to your family, how you are raising your covenant children, how you relate to your church, and how you relate even to yourself. It's just as important for the Christian to look unto Christ. The gospel preached always accomplishes its intended purpose. It's the power of God unto salvation. So in 2019, pray for the salvation of not only your family and friends, but make a prayer list for those of your church family who have lost loved ones and friends. In 2019, Understand that whenever you are able to give the gospel to someone, and it is our responsibility, that even if that person rejects the gospel, our responsibility is just to give the gospel without distinction and leave the rest up to God. In 2019, we may not understand why things are happening the way they're happening. The Apostle Paul was in utter anguish. I wish that I could adequately get across how much in anguish he was in studying this. You have to feel for the Apostle Paul. And he had to wrestle through this. 
And we won't always understand what's going on and why people are responding the way they are, but it's our responsibility to give the gospel and leave the rest up to God. And remember, those who have never heard the gospel cannot be saved. And they are condemned because of their suppression of the truth and unrighteousness in general revelation. And so missions always at SGRC. Missions always. Because the gospel is that good and that powerful and that effective. Let's pray. Our Father, we look to you now asking for your help and grace to um, not only swallow but digest and be nourished by the truth of your word. This morning we pray as we enter a new year that it would be like honeycomb, that our lives would be transformed and that we uh, would have hearts of faith that are enlarged. And if there are any here, young people or old, who have heard the voice of Christ this morning say, look unto me and be saved, we give praise and thanks to the God of grace. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.